Hi, everyone. I'm Denise Garth, Chief Strategy Officer at Majesco, and you're listening to the Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast series. Follow along as I interview the best and brightest leaders in the insurance industry and insure tech landscape to bring you the latest in digital transformation, innovation, industry trends, challenges, and opportunities, as well as next-gen technologies. We use our experience to anticipate what's next without losing sight of what's now. Stay tuned to find out your next now. Welcome, everybody. Today's podcast, part of our Future of Insurance Industry Leaders series. I am absolutely thrilled today to have Gail McGiven. She is the Global Insurance Advisory Lead for EPAM. She's joining us today. Gail, welcome. Thank you. Good to be with you, Denise. Gail, I know you're well known in the industry, but for those that don't know you, do you want to give a little bit of background on yourself? Sure. Happy to do that. So I have, wow, over 35 years in insurance crossing industry and consulting and business and technology from a career standpoint. I actually started my insurance career as a commercial lines underwriter at Chubb. And uh, along the way, had an opportunity to build a lot of products and systems while I was there 15 years. And then moved to Accenture to build underwriting and product configuration software solutions and learn the business of consulting and build a brand new global practice for underwriting. And then I moved to take my first CIO role at a startup, which was ProSite Specialty, where I had an opportunity to build a fully outsourced IT platform. And then I returned to consulting. So in 2012, EY was essentially rebuilding its advisory practice. So I joined as one of the initial partners to build out a new global underwriting advisory practice at EY. And that this time, you know, unlike Accenture, instead of building software, really teaming with a range of software providers to deliver client solutions. And then in 2020, as I retired from EY, I actually moved on to my second startup, where I was the CIO and COO for Vantage Group Holdings, and we built a cloud-native, best-of-breed technology and operations platform. Vantage, which is both a reinsurance and insurance company, one of the class of 2020 startups, and we actually deployed 10 systems in about eight months. That was a a fantastic uh, second startup opportunity. And then just earlier this year, I joined EPAM, wanting to do something quite different. You know, this is a a firm that has a deep history of engineering skills and brand. And I mean, you name the top consumer and business brands around the globe, and there's a good chance that there's EPAM engineering inside and behind it. And so I'm here to build a brand new global insurance advisory practice, something that has not existed with this engineering firm and, and really building on top of those engineering capabilities and brand. We're actually already working with many of the global tier one insurers from an engineering standpoint. So now's the opportunity to bring advisory services. And we are you know, working with clients and their transformations and distribution and underwriting and claims and finance and cloud and data and digital so we have a breadth of capability. And, and I like to think about it as we're entering into an era where uh, with EPAM, we're actually bringing real engineering to both the business and technology sides of the transformation. And it's not just about package system integration, but helping to transform this industry. So I'm very excited about this new role and joining EPAM. It really brings together all of your experiences and background across uh, the different companies that you work for. It's kind of exciting, Gail. Yes, I agree. So one of the things that you mentioned was around underwriting, and we know that particularly for PNC in particular, PNC underwriting, and and even for life, it's at the heart of the insurance business. 
you know, from evaluating individual risk to exposures across a portfolio, they are so essential to driving profitability for insurance companies. And I think more than ever, it has really kind of elevated in importance back to going back to the fundamentals of underwriting. What are you seeing as the pain points today that insurers are really struggling with and dealing with in a world where we're seeing a lot of new risks and a lot of complexity out there? And Denise, as you know, a lot of my background, both on the industry side and on the consulting side, has been focused on commercial and specialty insurance. And that'll always be one of my areas of focus. You know, I, in many ways, I think the pain points that I lived as an underwriter in the 80s still exist, unfortunately, <laughs> especially in commercial That's and specialty it. underwriting. <laughs> You know, where I mean, underwriters continue to be burdened with inefficient processes and volumes of documents, and they lack timely insights into making decisions, which is what they're paid to do. So I think we have a long way to go, and, and many of these pain points remain. If you add to that the point you were just bringing up in the question, you know, these pain points are actually getting magnified because we have increasingly complex risk exposures around the world. Products are continuously changing to address underserved and unmet needs. There's demand for higher levels of compliance and there's increased service expectations from customers and distribution partners. So I think that just further complicates a lot of those pain points because it certainly hasn't gotten easier. And as I think about you know technology solutions, they've begun to address core processing automation, right? If you think about sort of policy billing claims, there's definitely yep. been investments in those areas and, you know, some good progress, but I have yet to see technology really benefit the world of the underwriter and the higher value capabilities that really need to support those professionals and their jobs. So I think that's a horizon that is out there that needs a lot of attention. It needs investment because the underwriters really are at the center of, of everything the insurance company does and yet continue to be very underserved with the value of what technology can bring, not just the process automation. The state of the industry, so to speak, from an underwriting standpoint, not making much progress, can't agree with you more, but we are beginning to see an evolution of underwriting where, to your point about moving from manual to an automated process, maybe we automated them with new policy systems, but we really have to go well beyond that into more of kind of what I call next generation underwriting workbenches that does far more than just automation. It really kind of begins to look at data, pulling in new sources of data, getting new insights, new scores, looking at the risk, not just for the individual kind of exposure, but maybe how that reflects into the broader portfolio. Can you kind of talk about this journey that we're on, I think, as an industry for underwriting? And what do you see that transformation over, say, the next, you know, five to 10 years and the investments that are going to be needed to make this really a robust, really data-driven solution that that expertise of the underwriter, they're not going away, but we've right. got to leverage the expertise of those people with this technology and data far better than what we've done in the past. Yeah, no, I completely agree. You know, I like to think of underwriting automation as needing to support two very distinct business operating models. And I think that the first one is really around simple risks. And this is where you've seen both in personal lines and smaller, you know, more homogeneous, small commercial. You've seen investments around high degrees of automated underwriting, rules-based underwriting, predictive modeling investments. And this is where underwriting organizations are achieving 
higher levels of straight through of what I think of as no touch or low touch underwriting because they've invested. It's actually not just the technology. They've actually invested in building sophisticated rules architectures and investing in predictive pricing models and propensity models and things like that. So, so we've definitely witnessed the investments in that area for simple risks. Of course, as you know, with this operating model, it is about exception handling with the underwriter that it's not just about the automation, you know, with rules technologies, but it is about the sophistication of rules that has to be quite sophisticated with rules and models to achieve that low touch, no touch. So I think we've, we've definitely seen, you know, really over the last 15 years, I would say we've seen investment in that area with personal lines and small commercial. However, <laughs> the, the second business operating model is really addressing the needs of more complex risks. And this is where it's not about the decision going into a rules engine. It's a much more guided approach to automation where solutions like a robust underwriting workbench really can enable things like rules-based retrieval of information as it's needed, team-based task assignments, right? Inherently middle market, large, specialty commercial. It is about the underwriting team, the underwriters, the assistant underwriters, the technical assistants. That workflow is highly dynamic and very team-oriented. It is about collaborative account referral discussions and bringing expertise in as well as, you know, referrals for approval for underwriting authority. It is about pre-filled documentation, whether that's for compliance purposes or correspondence and proposal letters. And it is about real-time analytical insights that are supporting the decision process, not automating the outcome of the risk decision and the pricing. And, you know, I think the timing that we're in right now is pretty interesting, right? We've enjoyed hard market conditions in commercial and specialty for a few years now, but inevitably we will return to a softening market cycle. And I think the coming decade is going to, out of necessity, bring greater focus and investment in the underwriting technology space because the value proposition is clear. And frankly, you know, it may be a market cycle that brings emphasis and a higher focus on investments, but Let's be honest, this, this is the need for underwriting technology to serve the underwriting community clearly transcends market cycles. Um, you know, that is advancing levels of profitable growth, targeting higher margin business, right? That is not just a condition of a market cycle. That's what we do as underwriters, achieving more efficient and compliant underwriting and operations, you know, team behaviors. And I think sustaining and improving loss ratio performance which of course that is the, the barometer of market cycles, but bringing to that front line consistent underwriting discipline and selectioning and pricing, you know, that's getting you sustainable results day in and day out at the front line with your underwriting team. So I see those as transcending market cycles, but I do think that the pressure of, you know, the inevitability of a, of a softening market cycle, you know, in, in the face of all the complexity we just mentioned is, is going to be a bit of, of an additional impetus for greater investment in the underwriting technology space. As I think about it, we go back to the, the first point we were making that, you know, technology has really has almost failed underwriting. If you think about where we're standing today and many of those pain points, you know, the technology investments, they've brought automation, but not insight. Technology has helped to standardize processing, but not uniform decision making. Point solutions have arrived, but not a cohesive underwriting environment document-based workflows, but not digitally powered account handling. And that's why I think we have a lot of work ahead of us. That's a really great point. And I think that the other kind of dimension to, to this kind of evolution is really the access and the explosion to data and new sources of data. 
particularly when I think about a lot of these complex risks out there in the continuing kind of evolution of risk, when I think about climate change as an example, or other types of political risk that's kind of happening that whether it's in different geos, not necessarily from a war standpoint, but just different political risk, all those things kind of combined are creating a whole different level of looking at risk differently and data is going to be so important. So that's one of the areas that I know you and I have talked about this for years, Gail, is that how do insurers really need to rethink their data sources? How do they need to rethink how they use data and innovate with it and provide value? And while AI and machine learning are the buzz topics of the, of the industry right now, there's some real work being done and some real value being done, leveraging new sources of data and applying AI and machine learning. Where do you see the value and in, in innovation kind of happening in the industry? I actually think the world of data is going to be the area that we will see the greatest change for underwriting. Because we're talking, you know, so far a lot about technology and automation, but I actually think data and what we do moving forward with data is going to unlock the potential of, of how, you know, the future of underwriting. You know, we're certainly seeing increased data access, you know, more sources, more availability. We're seeing higher levels of digitization. I think we're at the beginning of that, but we are seeing it. And certainly there's technology investments happening there with things like digital ingestion. And we're also seeing emerging sources of data. Some of it's coming from some of the newer technologies, which are in and of themselves producing new sources of sensor data, for example, or location intelligence. But we also need to better equip the underwriter to leverage the data in the right way at the right time, or it really is never going to bring the, the promise of the insight that we know is desperately needed. I want to emphasize that point about leveraging data the right way at the right time, because it isn't just about bombarding underwriters with more data. A couple of the paradigms I, I think need to change. I, we typically think of data needs according to traditional transactional processing steps at submission, at the time of endorsement, at the time of renewal. We need to start thinking of data and analytics as more of an applied science in a continuum. This means designing the architecture of decision-making across the underwriting life cycle. Some data is needed at a point in time. Other data actually drives continual insights. So that's what I mean by the architecture of decision-making is really understanding not just the footprint, but the behavior of how data and data Ag as it's aggregated and triangulated, contributes to decision-making. What I think is both promising and exciting about this is that we have a lot of powerful technologies already here that can enable these capabilities. We're early stages in the insurance industry of leveraging machine learning to identify meaningful patterns of data behavior. I think artificial intelligence in many ways is in its infancy. Our, we have so far is its natural language processing and its chatbots. That's great. I think we have a lot more that AI is going to deliver over time. But I think that we'll be looking for AI to mature and actually integrate with other rules technologies that are supporting a range. And again, in the world of underwriting, it will be a range of both statistically oriented and heuristic rule methods. And so I, I don't think of AI in isolation. I think of it in the decision architecture as one of the technologies along with machine learning and other rules-based technologies that are enabling that decision architecture. One thing that we're doing a lot of work with at, at EPAM is really in the space of event architectures. 
the other area of technology, and I think this is one of the most important advancements, and, and it's an area we're working on quite a bit with clients at EPAM, is this introduction of event architectures. And so if you think about continuous risk insight for underwriting and continually informing and notifying and revealing new exposures or new considerations for risk management, what the event architectures can do is provide a platform for event streaming through things like event mesh capabilities. If you think about this continual highway of data being acquired, cleansed, matched, and curated, and now you couple that with semantic rules technologies, for example, now what you're doing is you're bringing you know, solutions into the insurance industry that are helping determine what's meaningful and then serve up timely insights and notifications to underwriting teams. So not just serving up data, but actually using technology and rules to identify what's important so that it is really guiding the underwriting decision process. You know, I like to think that even that blockchain is going to continue to have a role that we're going to see bring greater value in the industry. Maybe it becomes the trust-based data delivery chassis that enables single sourcing of customer location data. So I think that, you know, these technologies that are here today are really going to help us unleash the power of data as it needs to become insight in the decision architecture. And I think underwriting will stand to gain the most within the enterprise. You know, think about the possibilities of modeling and simulation becoming almost instantaneous in the risk assessment, pricing, and account servicing that underwriters perform. You know, this is just, again, an area we're very focused on at EPAM that we're powering the data-driven enterprise, as we like to think about it, with these capabilities. And again, these are engineered solutions. So when we think about engineering the future of underwriting, we'll be very much, you know, bringing the combination of technologies and new approaches to the architecture of decision-making and really engineering solutions around that that are supporting underwriting and, and guiding decision processing. And really, this approach underpins all of our offerings across the value chain at EPAM with the insurance industry. When you kind of talk about pulling all of these technologies together, it's really forming a new framework and a new foundation to really support digital underwriting that really requires a different thinking about roles, the processes, the technologies that can really enable that transformation. And in particular, for commercial and specialty insurance that keeps getting more complex and is really hot. How should insurers assess and proceed with a transformation and how can they create sustainable advantage? And how does innovation kind of fit into that? I know it's a, a word that everybody uses, but I do think you have to think differently and you've got to really kind of redefine things differently than how we've done it for the last 20 years. Gail, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I think that personal lines insurance is going to largely continue to be about consumerism, user yep. experience and scale. I think commercial and specialty, I completely agree with you. It is going to continue to increase in complexity and underserved risk transfer and risk management needs. So as I think about what is differentiating in commercial and specialty insurance and opportunities for innovation, I, I really think it comes down to expertise, creative problem solving, tailored products, integrated account servicing, and trusted relationships. If I were just to distill it into those elements of how we should think about innovation and differentiation. And then, of course, how does digital transformation enable what that looks like in the future within the insurance company? Sometimes when I hear the term digital transformation, I, I hear people talking about as changing 
you know, the UX or UI for customers yeah. to interact with. I, I know you hear that as well. So how can we interact differently, faster and be Google-like or Amazon-like? Or by contrast, I hear about it as a long drawn out journey to replace technologies, especially for insurers and reinsurers that are encumbered with legacy systems, unrationalized acquisitions, and they're in heavily regulated markets. I actually think there's an opportunity to, to also think about digital transformation in a more agile way. It's not one or the other. I think it's an opportunity to create a greenfield operation, to think of innovation as a platform for experimentation, or maybe there's more parallel than linear approaches to addressing both the foundational needs of digitizing your underwriting environment, for example, but also innovation simultaneously. These are not, you don't have to do the foundational things first to get to innovation, right? You can be doing these things in parallel. There's no question there's interdependencies over time, but I think we can advance both innovation agendas, addressing the, the digital transformation of core foundational data and technology needs, but at the same time, finding greenfield and experimentation opportunities to advance digital capabilities, faster, better insights for underwriting and things like that. This is hard to do, but that's how I like to think about digital transformation is it, it these are really, you know, sort of two speeds that you're going after, but you're going after them in parallel so that you are advancing overall in innovation aspects of your transformation. As we work with our EPAM clients to define and execute their digital transformation, we always take a capability-led approach to defining the target state operating model and solutions. And we like to explore this optionality to advance across the spectrum of transformative, disruptive, innovative, and experiential change, right? People define transformation differently. In a lot of cases, it is all about systems, but we like to think about it as not just the technology. And as we talked about, you know, the new role of data and the architecture of decision-making, but also, you know, that there is a spectrum of approaching digital transformation. And some of it is transformative. Some of it may be disruptive, you know, some of it could be innovative. And then some of it, you know, hopefully along the way will, will be experiential. So, so we like to think about optionality to be, you know, really going after the transformation across sort of multiple dimensions, if you will, uh, you know, to get some near-term uh, wins as, as well as that longer-term, uh, I'll say comprehensive transformation that you know, everyone is pursuing. That, that's how I like to think about it. Yeah. When I think about your background and all the experiences and the, the wide array of companies that you've worked with, I'd like you to give kind of your perspective of how do you see the future of insurance in the next three to five years? What is that vision of not just underwriting, but what is the vision of what an underwriter, a broker, and a customer view? But more importantly, when you kind of think about that future and those visions, what are the one to two areas that you think insurers should begin to prioritize now? Because none of this is a silver bullet. It takes time, it takes vision, it takes execution, it takes resources, and it takes uh, perseverance, really, quite frankly, to kind of get through it. And so what should insurers really kind of focus on and prioritize in the short term here? I think I will always believe that the future of underwriting and the underwriting career is going to be multifaceted you know, hopefully more tech-enabled, insight-rich than the way I started in my career. But I absolutely believe it's multifaceted, at least for commercial and specialty. And underwriters are going to have to balance the major levers of the insurance enterprise, growth, loss ratio, and expense ratio. They have to, you know, keep all those balls in the air, so to speak. At the same time, they have to excel at, you know, multidimensional demands of that role being central to the insurance business 
and that is consultative selling. It is data-driven decisioning. It is product and service innovation, and it's team-based account servicing and, and relationship management. And I, I don't think those elements change in the future for underwriting. I just like to think that they get much more enabled so that we are you know, skilling up the underwriter career and the underwriting teams as part of it and achieving sustainable outcomes that actually cross market cycles. That, that's my hope of what the future is and you know, the importance of keeping in mind that it is a multifaceted role. You know, as I think about sort of the, the areas of change that underwriting is going to face in the next few years, there's a couple of things that come to mind. I think the spectrum of risk transfer and risk management will continue to morph with the advent of things like IoT creating opportunities for embedded insurance due to more quantifiable risk. I think, you know, we've talked a lot about data. I think data democratization and advanced technologies, you know, will entice supply chain players who are not in insurance to come into the game, either on the distribution side or potentially on the surplus side. I think that the same data democratization and, and advancement of technology is going to continue to fuel investment appetite for insured tech platforms. So I think those are the things that we're going to continue to see. I also think we're going to continue to find risks that are difficult to quantify. We've you know, certainly been living one of them the past couple of years with the pandemic, aggregate cyber. You know, There's a lot of things we don't know about. There's things that are going to arrive that we have not even thought about. And I think that is going to result in a need for greater risk management to offset a lack of risk transfer options. And that's just the reality we're in. Insurance will never be the absolute answer for keeping businesses up and running after some sort of a man-made or natural disaster, for example. I think fluid capital deployment, we're going to see continuing to increase across insurance, reinsurance, and ILS. That's going to enable creative approaches to asset protection that, you know, factor into this risk transfer, risk management equation for sure. So those are the things that I think, you know, sort of at the macro level uh, where, you know, underwriters are going to continue to face and underwriters live at the crossroads of all of these changes, right? It all happens there. I mean, your question around sort of broker, customer, underwriter, I think that there's, you know, we're going to continue to see overlap. And and what I mean by that, you know, overlap between underwriters, brokers, and customers is underwriters are seeking to connect directly with customers. Brokers are creating products and services. MGAs are taking over underwriting with specialized industry expertise. Customers are self-insuring or forming captives to customize their program structures and capacity options. So those overlap are here to stay. You know, much as clients might wish for simplification of insurance, (laughs) the reality is actually just the opposite with our increasingly complex world of risk exposures and our interconnected economies and regulatory pressures and cyber threat landscape. And of course, the ever-changing business models, many of which, you know, we've seen over the past couple of years as we all went remote. You know, the underwriter future is not going away anytime soon and will continue to be the primary owner-opera of the insurance enterprise. And as I think about, you know, the couple of focus areas with that as a backdrop, I do think that unleashing the power of continual insight in the underwriting, you know, decision architecture should be a a significant area of focus if you think about what underwriters are paid to do day in and day out and how can we help them be better, faster, and resilient across market cycles. You know, I would certainly put that one at the top of the list. As I think about the generations of underwriters and the fact that there's four, you know, generations uh, easily within any insurance enterprise, I think growing that next generation of underwriting talent is hugely important 
and the way they learn and the way they're supported is must be quite different than certainly, you know, how I started my career many, many years ago. So I think focusing on how, you know, codifying intellectual wisdom and the art form of underwriting into and how can technology help that? So you're not only helping today's process, you're actually codifying that institutional wisdom to help grow the next generations of underwriters and really elevate, you know, the skills, if you will, of those future underwriters so that they're not just focused on the, you know, the transaction of decision-making, but much more insightful and and customer-centric and partner-centric approach to the business. That's the higher level that that all underwriters aspire to. So those to me are the two focus areas um, that I think are hugely important uh, for the future insurance and specifically for what I would say is my vision and role for, for underwriting in the future. That's great. Kind of wrap this all up. I always love to ask everybody, what's one word to describe the future of insurance and what would it be? So for Gail, what's your word and why? Well, I'm going to take the liberty of coming up with two words. That's okay. <laughs> after 35 years, I can buy an extra word. <laughs> you know, the, the two that come to mind to me, Denise, are resilient and adaptive. And I, mm-hmm. I like those words quite a bit when I think about the insurance industry. But I also think that we're in a never-ending quest for improving the public perception of the social and economic value of insurance. And I think the uh, the cool factor will always be elusive to this industry. As I think about you know, the, the future, particularly the future of underwriting, I, I do think that underwriters will play a central role in that quest for raising the you know, level of importance uh, and value that insurance brings to, really to our social lives. And it's a noble profession, right? So how I think about my history of the industry and certainly going forward, I would hope that that would still be the case. But I don't think we're done really elevating the importance of how insurance is really serving the world at large. So I'll leave you with with that final point. (laughs) I love that because I think to your point that you were implying there, change is going to be a constant and it's going to continue at the pace that it's going. And so I think resilience being adaptive are absolutely crucial. Couldn't agree more, Gail. Want to thank you, Gail, once again, for your insights, for your leadership in the industry. We love working with you. And I think EPAM has some real opportunity in this industry with that engineering kind of focus in light of everything that we talked about. It really has the opportunity to unlock a lot of potential for the industry going forward. So thanks for your time today, Gail, and we look forward to uh, talking again soon. Thank you, Denise. I appreciate it. That's it for this week's episode of Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast. Subscribe to our market-leading podcast series available wherever you get your podcast from. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in the next time.